Hey, what's going on? Okay, we're going to launch right into this one. I am so sorry. I was supposed to wake up at 4 a.m. my time, and I totally messed up. My alarm didn't go off. I'm really upset because I had put it out that I was going to broadcast at a certain time. Whether people show up or not, when you say you're going to do something, you should do it. Um, so I'm interrupting my middle of the day to broadcast now. So I'm here, and I'm glad. Uh, this man, this is this is some topic. This is some topic, some controversy going on. Where do we start? Which one should we start with? I don't even know. Um, so, you know, the Sex Pistols do not have a good relationship. They haven't for a long time. Yes, they've reunited several times. I actually, you know, it's funny. I just finished reading Lonely Boy, which is Steve Jones' biography. We spoke about it uh, in another episode that's not yet aired. Love this book. It's a great book. It's divided over into three sections. It's 300 pages, which is nice. You know, it's a nice length for like a short, a nice short jaunt, a nice short read, biography, whatever you want to call it. And it's, it's divided into three sections, 100 pages devoted to each section before, during, and after about his life with the Sex Pistols. It's being adapted right now by Danny Boyle into a series called Pistol. Because, of course, they can't use the S-E-X word. They're going to use the word pistol to talk about, to advertise. You think they would use S-E-X pistol, but they don't. The same reason why I'm spelling out S-E-X, because I don't know how YouTube is going to respond to me using that word. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's always a roll of the dice. But let's let's launch right into it. We're not really going to, no, no, no introductions here. Let's just go. Let's find, here we go. John Lydon sued. There we go. Is that on there? Yes. Good. All is well. Yeah, apparently the word piss is not liked by YouTube. So I had to find the place with it where it says it, have it removed. Um, okay, let's let's take a look. Let's launch into this sucker right here. Here we go. Where is she? There he is. Look at this guy. Look at this guy who's like a, he's like a Trump guy, which is, go figure. What a, what a bizarre dude, truly. A, a very intelligent guy. It's funny, after I finished reading the biography about Steve Jones, he talks about having John Lydon on Jonesy's jukebox, his, his radio show on KLOS in Los Angeles, because I guess Jones is somewhat of an expat. He lives in, lives in LA. He's lived in LA since the early 80s. And talked about how uh, it was a rather polite exchange because normally him and Rotten are really the source of all the, you know, friction in that band at this time. You know, Glenn Matlock is another source of friction, but to a much lesser extent. It sounds like the guys all get along and they just really clash with John Lydon, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten. For anybody, I want to do a reaction video to this video, who's seen John right John, uh, John Lydon in full action for that punk it was that like punk panel where they had Marky Ramone Johnny Rotten Henry Rollins Duff from uh, uh, Guns N' Roses uh, and the, the the woman from L7 all on a panel and it, it turns into a Ramones versus Pistols argument back and forth between Marky Ramone and 
Johnny Rotten, who's clearly drunk of he's drunk on some level, you know. Um, Gordon says, or it is called. It's the story of one of the sex pistols. So a pistol. Yeah, I get it. I, I make that makes sense. So, but it's just called pistol. I don't know. Who cares? Any case, here is a not so recent photo of John Lydon. You would know what a or more recent photos. You would mistake John Lydon with a big, big floating red balloon, wearing red MAGA shirt, "Make America Great Again." That whole jive. That's something that John Lydon seems to support. So it says here, John Lydon, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten, is being sued by his former Sex Pistols bandmates over the use of the band songs in an upcoming television series. Guitarist Steve Jones and drummer Paul Cook claim they have every right to license Sex Pistols music for Pistol. I would imagine so. And after reading the book, after reading the book uh, Lonely Boy, uh, Steve Jones, after, you know, after what had happened with Malcolm, their manager, Malcolm McLaren, he basically stole all their money or misappropriated a lot of their money to make the film The Great Rock and Roll Swindle. The band had actually already dissolved as they were in production for this film. Steve Jones and Paul Cook were still loyal to Malcolm and were still helping making the film. But by that time, Sid Vicious and Johnny Rotten had left the Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols essentially didn't exist even as they were making this film. And, um, and all the money got misappropriated for that. And John Lydon, after starting Public, Public Image Limited and getting his act together and amassing some uh, various fortune from both his music career and the woman who he would marry, who I did not know was originally with Steve Jones. Steve Jones used to um, screw John Lydon's wife. Uh, she was an heiress of some kind, and she's the mother of a punk rock, oh God, from a band, I forget the band, from the slits or the vibrators or something in, in, in England. It's kind of weird that John Lydon's stepdaughter, who was only like 10 or 12 years younger than him, was his stepdaughter. I don't know. Weird situation. Um, but they, what I had learned in the book is that they split the royalties almost four ways. They, it, the Glenn Matlock gets a half a share they get four quarters. It's, it's drawn up into quarters. Uh, Sid Vicious's descendant, it's like the his like great nephew or something or somebody. Sid, somebody with Sid in Sid Vicious's family gets revenue from Sid Vicious's take in the Sex Pistols. Everything was divided equally. And you know it's funny. You know it's really funny. It's just kind of like. It's kind of like all the bands that sort of split their money like in four ways generally don't fight over money. You'll never see a band have any kind of resentment or any kind of situation where where they're they're there's they're at each other's throats if if everything is split, you know, publishing and songwriting and merchandise if it's all split down the middle, everybody's happy. You, you see that a lot. You see a lot of bands they might have tension in other areas but they're not going to have tension in that area. Great example, look at the Ramones. The Ramones split everything down the middle, at least at the beginning. There's four quarters. Everybody got their own share of the band. So the, the Sex Pistols do the same, uh, except for Glenn Matlock, who gets half of a, he gets one eighth, unfortunately. I think he should get a, a quarter. There's no reason why Sid Vicious 
should have anything apart from, I mean, he played, uh, he played a bass track on Bodies. It's the only song that he appears on uh, for Nevermind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex Pistols. Um, so barely played his instrument live. I mean, it was Steve Jones who played the bass on all those songs, uh, funny enough. So, but it's interesting how even with everything split down the middle and we just got done saying how money, when the money is even, nobody, you know, the resentment won't boil over with that. But at the same time, what the issue is, it comes down to whether they want to license music or not for said project. So it's not, the issue of contention is not money because Johnny Rotten will also get paid very handsomely. I believe $5 million is on the line right now. Um, Johnny Rotten will get paid, but he, he has a problem with the project. And we're going to learn about that in a minute. There's, it, it goes deeper than that. But the source of a lot of the tension within the Sex Pistols, as of today, which is why there's been no further reunions. The last time they reunited was 2008. And it was, uh, it was an extended tour of some kind. And it really just, what it was the end, it was the end of the road for Steve Jones, who just cannot stand uh, Johnny Rotten in any way, shape or form. Johnny Rotten doesn't like Glenn Matlock. As a matter of fact, Glenn Matlock was forced out of the band because John, Johnny Rotten didn't like him. And because Malcolm McLaren was getting asked questions by Glenn, like, where's all our money? And so Malcolm didn't like that either. And Steve Jones and Paul Cook, who are getting a paycheck every week when they check into the office or whatever, they're not complaining at the time that they're being stolen from. And as I said, it wasn't until Johnny Rotten had sued Malcolm McLaren to get, you know, what, what was rightfully theirs and everything split evenly. But now there is, there's tension once again. So let's, let's read on. Um, the show, which is based on Jones's, well, guitarist Steve Jones and Paul Cook claim they have every right to license Sex Pistols music for Pistol, the forthcoming limited run series based on the iconic UK punk band. The show, which is based on Jones's memoir, Lonely Boy, Tales from a Sex Pistol, will be helmed by Academy Award winner, award-winning director Danny Boyle. Couldn't think of a better guy to run that shit. I love Danny Boyle. Big Danny Boyle fan. I think he's going to do a, a really terrific job. At the end of the day, and I haven't seen, we're going to see what the casting looks like because I haven't seen anything about the casting. It's really going to come down to the casting because I think story-wise, they're going to, Danny Boyle will do a great job. Um, back in London, uh, back in April, sorry, back in April, Leiden described the biopic TV series as the most disrespectful shit I ever had to endure, right? Because that's how he would say it. Uh, and threatened to take legal action against the production. Now he has been beaten to the punch as his former bandmates have taken the singer to court. According to the, Associate, uh, the Associated Press, a lawyer for the Sex Pistols frontman argued that, that licenses to use the band's music cannot be granted without Leiden's consent. The statement clashed with that of Edmund Cullen, a lawyer for Jones and Cook. And Jones and Cook, they go way back. These dudes were tight. I mean, the, the nucleus, the formation of the Sex Pistols really goes back to Steve Jones and Paul Cook. Uh, Glenn Matlock came later. Johnny Rotten came later. Funny story, actually. When they, they said, we want to audition this guy, Johnny, to be the singer of the band. And so they thought that they were referring to Johnny Rotten, who came down and did an audition and ended up being the singer. 
who they really actually wanted to audition for the band was Sid Vicious. Isn't that crazy? Who also, his name is John Simon Ritchie. And he also used to come into the store. And because of a confusion between the two Johns, it was John Lydon who became the, the, the vocalist of the Sex Pistols. And, and ironically enough, both those Johns were also friends. In fact, when Paul, when, when Glenn Matlock was shoved out of the band, it was so that John, Johnny Rotten could have his mate come into the band, Sid Vicious, who's named after Johnny Rotten's hamster, of all things. Um, he wanted him to come into the band because Paul, because Steve Jones and Paul Cook were such good friends and he wanted to balance the scale. So the, the nucleus of the Sex Pistols is really Paul Cook and Steve Jones. And they went on afterwards, after the Sex Pistols broke up and after the great rock and roll swindle, those guys went on and they, they did a, a band called The Professionals that didn't really go anywhere. And um, uh, Checkered Past, Steve Jones went on to do a band called Checkered Past and the Neurotic something or others before reforming as the Sex Pistols and eventually settling on becoming a radio personality. Um, so, so the, but these guys, when they, you know, when it comes to stuff, when it comes to, I guess, anything involved with the band, it's like Steve Jones and Paul Cook, they have each other's backs. They're just, they're, they're bonded. And you really get that sense when you read uh, Lonely Boy. You should check, everybody should read the book Lonely Boy. It's really great read. It's definitely, you know, there's definitely, you can tell Jones has a little bit of an agenda when he's trying to like basically say that, you know, New York punk didn't come out of New York or whatever, which is kind of BS, if you ask me. I think it really, everything really started in New York. Uh, and it's not because I'm a New Yorker or an American that I think that. I think that's just the reality of the situation. Uh, in any case, they, um, uh, a statement uh, clashed, that statement about what, about John Lydon needing, needing his consent clashed with that of Edmund Cullen, uh, the lawyer for Jones and Cook, who told the court that members of the band agreed in 1998 that all Sex Pistols licensing agreements would be made on a majority rules basis. So even if... So unless Glenn, Glenn Matlock doesn't seem to be named in the lawsuit or does, isn't mentioned here. So I don't know, you know, I guess at the end of the day, if Glenn Matlock is not siding with John, Johnny Rotten on this stuff, right? So it's got to be, he's got to be for it as well. He's just not lawyering up for whatever reason. Maybe that gets explained a little bit further. But um, by, all, by all measures, majority basis would have, you know, Jones and Cook you know, outweighing John Lydon. Further, even though John Lydon thinks that he's like, you know, it's all about him. He's like the heart and soul of everything, you know, uh, whatever, you know, because he's got like this massive, massive ego problem that Steve Jones talks about a lot in the book and just all the, the stuff, you know, it's hard, you know, when you set to see someone that you really don't like every single day, like, can you imagine what that must do? It, it like wears on your nerves. It like affects you physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, you know, to have to, and you know, to be on a, he talks about like being on an airplane, you know, a tiny little prop plane and, and watching Johnny Rotten have a, have, have a fit, have a shit fit because he can't smoke a cigarette, you know, um, just because. So it's like, that's got to get tiring day in and day out. I can understand why Jones doesn't like Johnny Rotten. I haven't read Johnny Rotten's book and I'd like to, 
But I don't think, you know, and Johnny Rotten can be, he can be very like blunt and to the point, but it's always like, it always seems like it's through his agenda. Steve Jones, for the most part, especially in his book, he seems to really just sort of tell it how it is as he remembers. And he very, he's make, he's very, very upfront about saying that he doesn't remember certain things and references the people that he uses to help him remember, like Paul Cook or Glenn Matlock or whatever. You know, I, I just, I, I trust, I trust Steve Jones more than I trust Johnny Rotten in like the reality of the situation and whatnot. Further statements from the lawyers shed a light on the ongoing acrimony between the two sides. Leiden's attorney noted that the singer was offended by his depiction in Jones's memoir, saying that he was described in a hostile and unflattering light, which is 100% true. He is. And that you have to think that that the reason why Rotten doesn't like Pistol and has taken shots and taken jabs and he has an agenda and the agenda is he's not reflected nicely in this book, Lonely Boy, as I said. Uh, and, you know, Jones, for the most part, when 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 Rotten is right about something, Jones has been very good about, like, you know, tipping his hat to John Johnny Rotten when you know, when it's, when it's due, when, when he, he should get his due. Um, but yes, as I said, like all that stuff I was just talking about, he talks about that in the book, about just being around this very toxic guy, just can't stand him, can't stand his attitude, can't stand the, that it's the Johnny Rotten show and just all this stuff. Chris here, Chris here in the comments says, both Johns were in a gang called the Johns. Cookie and Jonesy, Cookie is the affectionate name that Steve Jones has for his mate, Paul Cook. Cookie and Jonesy were working with what Malcolm, uh, uh, were working with Malcolm with early workings of a band and a Buddy Holly looking singer named Wally. Right, what they mentioned Wally in the book and of course, Glenn Matlock. Glenn Matlock was working in the store, Malcolm's store on Saturdays. And yes, there was a band and the, originally the band was, it was like Steve Jones and the Sex Pistols, you know? The band was really formed around the nucleus of, of Paul Cook and, and Steve Jones. Uh, those guy, other guys came later. Yeah, there was a guy, Wally. There was a couple other guys in the band. And they all eventually kind of moved out. It's a really, really great re uh, read. And you know what else, too? The, the Sex Pistols get this rap of being this band that was really manufactured and put together like a boy band like by Malcolm McLaren, which might be partially true, but they really were their own thing. You know, they were their own thing and they were the real deal, you know, coming out of this uh, low income, you know, uh, economically disparaged, you know, London in the late 70s, where really everybody felt like they had no future. Maybe that's why British punk seems more political in a political kind of way than American punk does in certain aspects, in certain aspects. I don't know. But in any case... Uh, Johnny Rotten does not like the fact that he is being, you know, uh, portrayed in a hostile and frankly truthful, unflattering light. Meanwhile, Cullen described the relationship between former uh, Sex Pistols bandmates as brittle and fractitious. I think that's a, I think those are accurate, accurate statements right there. Of course, the same combativeness, attitude, and arrogance that the band members that the band's members currently use against each other also help make the group legendary. 
you really should listen to it's on YouTube. Go listen to Jonesy's jukebox where he where Steve Jones interviews Johnny Rotten and you can hear Johnny Rotten talking over Steve Jones in like so many times Steve Jones is trying to say something and Johnny Rotten talks right over him. And, you know, us, us, um, us, you know, uh, YouTube interviewer, commentator guys, we, we don't, we have a little, we like to use the excuse of, Oh yeah, latency, there's latency. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that could happen, but in their case, they're like in the studio together, sitting right next to each other, 2005. I mean, come on. The guy's just, the guy just, uh, is so, he's so self-centered focused on him that like, even when, when Steve Jones like speaks up to say something, he just tramples right over him with his words. And you can see that the same thing happen in that, that, that sex pistols Ramones beef in that video with Marky Ramone and, and John, John Lydon. It just happens. It, it happens all the time. It's not, it's, it seems to be part of his MO. Chris says, uh, hey, Jeff, Jonesy is one of my favorite guitarists and my favorite, and my friend lost her virginity to Cookie on the professional tour. Well, there, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Lear learning stuff, learning stuff with Chris in the comments. Thanks, Chris. Um, so they say it helped make the group legendary. Formed in 1975, the Sex Pistols were icons of the punk movement causing havoc with their anti-establishment agenda. I didn't, they didn't have an anti-establishment agenda. You know, that was, that all got, that was, that stuff was sort of manufactured by Malcolm McLaren. As a matter of fact, in the book, Steve Jones says that the, that they reached the pinnacle of, of, of that band and that band being like a, a positive, cohesive working unit, that the pinnacle of all that happened at, uh, there was the, the Grundy guy. They went on Grundy and they they said curse words, you know. They called him a rotten. He goes him a rotten fucker, something like that. And uh, Johnny Rotten says the word shit a bunch of times, and it's like on live telly, you know. And it's at a time where it's like you know so scandalous and this that and the other that, and it projected overnight. The Sex Pistols became international. You know, uh, they they had earned the attention of the international media. That's when everything really broke wide open. And that happened in December of 1976. And shortly after that, Glenn Matlock, and three months after that, Glenn Matlock is pushed out of the band. Uh, Sid Vicious comes in the band. They're recording Nevermind the Bollocks. And the, before, you, before you know it, the band, is, the band is over in another year from that. I mean, it was a very short flash in the pan time. But the band was really like a band and everything that they were for that year of 1976, they were still forming and, you know, uh, they were still forming and, and coming together in, in 1975. It wasn't until 76 when they're really like a, like a band, 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 maybe in late 75. It was a very short period of time. Um, they, uh, they scored hits with God Save the Queen, which by the way, Steve Jones also mentions in the book that God Save the Queen had reached number one and they went out of their way. They like the sales or whatever, the requests or the, 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 the data that they used to determine when a record goes number one was shuffle the rounds because they didn't want to give the attention or the validation to the Sex Pistols and that they went to great trouble to, to, to deny them the number one record that they actually had. How about that? The band only released one album 
in 1977's Nevermind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex Pistols. Still, their legacy has endured. And for a band that's only released one album, there are so, there's so much material. I, I feel like a lot of it is redundant. But there's so much material uh, that you can find on bootlegs and this, that, and the other out there in the ether uh, around this band. Pretty, pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, yeah, so they they had the, the last time they had reunited was 2008. Pistol is tentatively slated to air on FX in 2022, though no official release date has been announced. Meanwhile, the court case between the former Sex Pistol bandmates is set to resume next week. And that's just one. Hold on. We're going to stop this real quick. We're going to turn that off for a second. There is more. There is more here. Though. There is more here. Let's see what this article says. See, I really like, I'm a big fan of The Guardian. And the reason why I like The Guardian is because Usually what they'll do is the, even no matter how small the story is or how big the story is, they always make a meal out of it. And they end up, you know, having a lot of sort of information about the situation. The Sex Pistols in the legal battle over uh, music licensing for the new Danny Boyle series. I think this is where it's mentioned that there's Five million dollars. There's five million dollars at, at stake for the uh, this licensing, and that's a piece. I mean, they're, they they stand to make a lot of money. Maybe it's five million altogether. It would be crazy if it was twenty million dollars for for the Sex Pistols catalog. I don't think so. Not even five million dollars sounds more more correct. I saw that somewhere. Five million dollars. The Sex Pistols guitarist Steve Jones and drummer Paul Cook are suing former uh, frontman John Lydon over the use of their songs in Pistol, Danny Boyle's forthcoming TV series about the band. London, Lydon, sorry, I keep seeing London when I read that. Lydon has said he will not approve the licenses for Pistol to use the band's music unless he, he is ordered to by a court. Pistol is based on Jones's 26, that's 2016, it was 2017, memoir Lonely Boy, Leiden's lawyer, Mark Cunningham, said that his client believes the book depicts him in a hostile and unflattering light. And, you know, he was involved for a while. I, I wonder if they're going to mention it in this article. John Leiden was involved with the series Pistol for D Danny Boyle's series, and he was asked to leave. He was forced out of the project because of the way he, the way he was reacting, because of the way he was acting towards everybody. He was acting like a... I won't say what he was acting like, but he was acting, he wasn't acting very nice. Um, here we go. Finally, Glenn Matlock gets mentioned. Uh, well, first, Edmund Cullen represents Jones and Cook, said the relationship between the former band members was bitter and fractitious. We saw that already. Uh, bitter and fractitious. And that they have been unable to resolve their differences. As bassist Glenn Matlock and the estate of Sid Vicious approved the use of the songs in Boyle's show. So Glenn Matlock and the estate of Sid Vicious, they're already on board. That's why it's it's now it's now two against one because Glenn Matlock, they, I guess they all vote, but a majority is the one that rules. And John Lydon's the one that is holding out. So there, there it is laid out for you. That's why I like reading The Guardian because they... They, they mention these other details that we that we need. Boyle's six-part series is is to be broadcast on Disney Plus. I did not know that as well. Good. That's good. That's where I'll watch it. 
Frank Contrell Boyce is writing the series alongside Craig Pierce. Macy Williams will play punk icon Jordan. I don't know who that is. Does anybody know who Jordan is? I don't know who Jordan is or Jordan as a punk icon. Toby Wallace, recently seen in Australian film Baby Teeth, will play Steve Jones. Newcomer Ansoon Boone is to play John Lydon. I mean, that's the problem when you're casting for a biopic. Like, you can't, like, you can get famous people or, like, iconic people. But at the same time, if you do, you run the risk of sort of, like, what's it called? Um, like, you, you end up ruining the mystique of 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 trying to imagine the the real life person instead of the person that they're playing i don't know sometimes it, it works really well with you know look at jamie fox as ray charles sometimes it, it works out really well but in other cases it can be a real hindrance and i think getting unknowns in a way is almost even better when it comes to biopics like the person really really has to look like the the person that's why i'm very interested to see what happens with this pete davidson guy and the joey ramone because they're doing i slept with joey ramone which is the book by uh, legs mcneil and mickey lee joey ramone's uh brother uh, another very interesting read you should check out um that's getting turned into a movie i'll be very interested to see how they're able to sort of bring joey ramone to life in that kind of way so uh, on the announcement of the series, Boyle said, imagine breaking into the world of the Crown and Downtown Abbey with your mates and screaming your songs and your fury at all that they represent. That's cool. I'm, I'm down with that. It is the, the detonation point for British street culture where ordinary young people had the stage and vented their fury and their fashion and everyone had to watch and listen and everyone feared them or followed them. See, that I think is a much better, much, that's a much more accurate representation of what was happening in England than what that last article said, if you ask me. In an Observer review of John uh, Jones's memoir, uh, Jude Rogers described the guitarist's story as often eye-wateringly funny. It was very funny. It was a funny read. Uh, a bit with many moments of poignancy, also true. There are definitely some moments of poignancy. And there are some very sad moments. Uh, he does touch on sexual, um, he does touch on, you know, that, I'm not going to say that out loud. He touches on certain types of abuse. Let's just put it that way. Uh, maternal neglect and a stint in a remand center. Um, is that the end? Wow. I thought it, there was more to it. Man. That's annoying. All right. Well, it's okay because we have one more here. We have one more article to read from. Let's see here. I want to be a living, working art. No, I don't want to be able to read that. What's this one? Sex Pistols. John Lydon says Sex Pistols. Miniseries the most disrespectful shit. So let's take a look at this one first. This is what, okay. So here is what John Lydon is saying. Let's take a look. Let us take a look. Okay, Chris seems to know who she is. Chris says that Jordan is an all a uh, very almost very cartoonish like woman with Hestmeister hair, Hest Hestmeister hair and Pris from oh yeah Pris I know Pris from Daryl Hannah from Blade Runner's eyeshadow across the eyes and across the bridge of her nose yeah but what like why is she punk what makes her punk. 
she just dresses in like that kind of fashion or something. I, I don't get it. I'm not understanding. I'm not following this. All right, let's take a look here. What does John Lydon say? John Lydon says, Sex Pistols miniseries is the most disrespectful shit. John Lydon, who usually just spouts off conservative talking points, and, you know, he does, but I have to tell you, if you listen, like, again, going back to that Jonesy's Jukebox interview with John Lydon and uh, Steve Jones, like, he is really intelligent, and he has some very thoughtful sort of things to say, and it's just a shame, like, that he's really, his mind has kind of gotten pickled in a conservative kind of way, which is really kind of funny, considering that he is the lead singer of the Sex Pistols. Um but he's not a stupid guy. He is an intelligent, at least, you know, educated, maybe would be the better way to put it. But he does have, you know, he speaks from a place, I don't know, he was talking about like his experiences in Africa. And I, I just, he seems like a very um, well-spoken guy. And the problem is he's just, his, his brain is pickled or something, you know? So that's why it says, usually just sprouts off conservative talking points. It's addressed the upcoming Sex Pistols Ministries, but... Would he ever endorse? I mean, th this guy, when they got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Jones talks about this in the book as well, when they got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it was, it was, it was John, Johnny Rotten. He did not consult with any of the other band members who all would have probably attended the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he just wrote that letter saying that we rejected and don't want to come. Because why should we, you know, why should we need you guys to uh, tell us how great we are and have us pay you for it? Because you got to buy a, a seat at a table. It's $10,000 a head, something like that. Um, so w whether he was found in an agreeable light or not, he probably would not be down with any sort of Sex Pistols miniseries, but not necessarily because it's because, you know what it is? It's kind of like he thinks like, okay, I have to act punk. So like, what will people think that is the most punk thing for me to do or say? Like, I feel like he doesn't necessarily believe this stuff. Like he probably is okay with it, but like in order for him to stay on brand of like what he think thinks that the public would want Johnny Rotten to sort of be about, I feel like that's, that, that's the, uh, I feel like that there's a lot of posturing with, with, with Johnny Rotten in that kind of way. And that's just my own intuition. I don't know that to be true at all. It's just what I think, you know, what I see, who knows? In any case, we know the show is being directed by Danny Boyle. It's in production now, blah, blah, blah. Leiden is unhappy with what he considers an unauthorized TV show. It's not unauthorized because it's being made from Jones's biography and Paul Cook and Glenn Matlock have already signed off on it. The only one who's unhappy here is, is John Leiden. Uh, and he is threatening legal action. I think that's the most disrespectful shit I've ever had to endure, Leiden told the Sunday Times. I mean, they went to the point to hire an actor to play me, but what's the actor, what's the actor actually working on? I'm doing a terrible injustice. I, I got to tell you, I can sit and listen to those guys, Steve Jones and, and John Leiden and maybe even Paul Cook. I can just listen to them chat. Their, their British accent and just the, the slang that they used, you know, that's the other thing that's great about Jones's book. There's a lot of British slang that is used in, there's a lot of British slang that's sort of used in the book. They don't, it's all left in there. It's, it's really, you really get the cadence of Jones's voice. And for that reason, 
you really feel like you're sitting across the table from Steve Jones as he's just telling you about his life. And it's really cool for that reason. That's why I would read that book. Um, Chris says, I believe she was one of the Brinkley contingent, the hardcore fans who followed the Pistols, even when they were a cover band, along with Susie Sue, Billy Idol, and Joe Woody Strummer. Huh. These, there are also two Sue Catwomen, the real scenes, T and the jailbreak ones. Huh. Okay. Um, he thinks it's the most disrespectful shit that he's ever had to endure, Leiden told the Sunday Times. I mean, uh, they... They went to the point to hire an actor to play me, but what's the actor actually working on? Certainly not my character. It can't go anywhere else but court. Lydon says he was not contacted about Pistol, despite once meeting Boyle when he worked on the 2012 uh, London Olympics opening film. Sorry, you think you can do this, like walk all over me. It isn't going to happen. Not without a huge, enormous fucking fight, Lydon said. I'm Johnny, you know, and when you're interfering with my business, you're going to get the bitter end of my business as a result. It's a disgrace. A representative for Pistol told MME that production did reach out to Lydon's team, but ultimately direct conflict was denied. How about that? How about that? So... But I, you know, I remember reading somewhere when I wasn't following this very closely. I do remember reading somewhere that like that Johnny Rotten was like pushed out. He was like he was asked to like leave the set or just not. They didn't want him around. Here we go. So here's what the so here's what the movie actually looks like. Let's take a look real quick. This is what Pistol is going to look like. Little little something something. See if these guys look like the the, the people that they're playing. Danny Boyle's Sex Pistols drama film uh, drama filmed in Hemel Hempstead. Huh, okay. So there you go. There's Danny Boyle. There's the real Sex Pistols right there. Look at this guy. He is the ultimate, you know, if they if they if they want to put poser next to <laughs> they want to put poser uh, and find someone's face to go next to it in the dictionary, just look no further than Sid Vicious. But here's the thing, and this is what I've ultimately realized about Sid Vicious, and like it, it's talked a lot about in in the book as well. I mean, Sid Vicious is a punk icon, whether we, whether we think he is or not, he is a punk icon because he's a punk icon that represents like the conform, almost like the conformity of like the punk stuff that would come after punk before it knew it was punk. You know what I mean? Like the idea that once the thing has a name, it's no longer that thing to name it is to destroy it. And a lot of people would argue that that's what happened with, you know, punk scenes all over the place. And so now you have all these people where suddenly it's like, we're just going to emulate what this guy who doesn't even write songs or play his instrument does, you know, and that makes us punk to dress like Sid Vicious and act like him, you know, is, is punk. You know, I, I don't actually believe that. Um, you know, I could sit here, I could, we could have a whole conversation about what punk really is or what it's about. You know, I really believe that punk is, without getting too much into it, I don't want to, but maybe that'd be a good topic for an episode one time. I really believe that punk is a attitude. It's what it is. It ultimately comes down to, it's an attitude. What was it back then? It was a word that was used to describe a scene 
full of bands that didn't all dress the same or sound the same. And, but we're all kind of demonstrating the same sort of attitude. So really when I think about it, punk is an attitude and it's an attitude that goes against establishment. It's an attitude that it's an attitude about doing, doing thing, empowerment, self-empowerment, you know, um, self-empowerment without having the keys to unlock doors, you know, going, jumping over the gate and circumventing the gatekeepers entirely on your own by just doing it your own way. I think that is a great, those are all great definitions of what punk is, you know? Yes, Chris is right. He's saying, hell, even Cruella is cashing in on the chaos by using punk as a push for ratings. And that's true. I've been hearing this all over that, you know, this new Cruella film starring Emma Stone, which I haven't seen yet. Uh, they're, they're really sort of leaning in on the, on the punk stuff, you know, like this punk aesthetic for the film. And I'm very curious to see what that is all about. So I guess, you know, punk has adapted, adopted all of that stuff that Sid Vicious and the Sex Pistols represent also is punk, if you want to call it that. Um, because while, while punk is everything that I just said that it was, punk is also this idea of like, it's also this, it's, it's this entity of conformity. It's like, you got to wear a leather jacket, you got to spike up your hair and dye it and walk around and snarl your lip. And then you're punk, you're punk if you do that. You know what I mean? So I find that interesting too, because that because uh, if you ask anybody on the street, is that guy punk? They're gonna say, yeah, he's a punk. But maybe he or she, maybe they like go to school and like, you know, they're studying to be a lawyer or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, doesn't that sort of, and that's why people laugh when they see this whole idea, this whole thing about conservative punk, because it's just these, incredibly conflicting ideas and yet those conservative punk people think that they're punks because they're in the minority because they're going against the grain they're 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 leveraging the idea of going against the grain that all these awesome progressive ideas are suddenly establishment and that they're more concerned with being what they think is punk than being okay with positive good progressive things because it's the majority it's the majority thought you know what i mean does that make any sense what i just said i just think it's so stupid it's so dumb you know i think punk also means being sort of independently minded um punk is it's an it's a thing of empowerment you know as i said i was talking about gatekeeping but it's also like this idea that like you can sort of just do you know you can go out if if you can't if someone's not going to help you you can do it yourself you know i mean that that's like the the i mean look look no further than you know we talk about glenn danzig and plan nine records often on this channel look no further than a guy like glenn danzig to think about like what punk is and like what you know the the, the idea of of empowering yourself to push your creativity out into a public space. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, 
<laughs> that was some tangent, huh? Uh, in any case, let's see what it looks like on the set. So there's some set photos. Okay, so there we go. There's Sid and Nancy. So that guy's playing Sid. Okay. Listen, since Sid was all about a look anyway, I guess all you got to do is have the look down, right? And there's your Nancy. I guess that kind of that kind of works. There's the original Sex Pistols again. Some more photos. I mean, these are, these photos aren't really giving away. There you go. Pawn Brokers. That's some good uh, production design right there. Tetley Bitterman. You can't beat them. Okay. Okay. And that's it. And that is it. Let's see some of these comments here. Chris says, Sid was the original drummer in The Flowers of Romance with Marco Peroni of Adam and the Ants. Yeah, right. Like Adam and the Ants and Susie Sue and all the I mean, all these bands, The Damned and The Clash, they were all kind of like intermingled together, right? Wasn't it the second Sex Pistol show where everybody that was in the audience formed all those respective bands, something like that? Sid asked, uh, Sid asked Lemmy to teach him bass. And Killmeister said, Killmeister said, you aren't a musician. How about that? Ouch. Ouch. Jeff Pierce says, to me, it seems like punk has become more of a fashion look than a movement. True. Yeah, that's why Sid Vicious is an icon, you know. Then a month later, Sid said to Lemmy, I'm in the Sex Pistols. <laughs> um, were, the, were the Sex Pistols punk? I, I think the Sex Pistols were absolutely punk for that. I mean, of course they were punk, but like it started to become that later version, that later definition, the idea, this idea of being a poser, being, you know, this conformist fashion thing. You know, the, the, the Sex Pistols kind of were like at the forefront of that as well in the year of 1977. You know what I mean? It kind of, when it kind of like spilt over, you know, as I said, punk started, punk started as, you know, a bunch of bands in a scene where they didn't dress alike and they didn't sound alike, but they all kind of either couldn't play their instruments or weren't virtuosos in their instruments and weren't really, you know, they were just sort of uh, doing what they could to be bands. And that all got labeled as punk. They didn't know that they were punk. They weren't trying to be punk. They were just trying to be individuals. They were trying to do things that other people were doing, but with they were trying to do it with way less experience and just going out there and doing the thing, right? And then what happens is the Sex Pistols explode after the Simon Grundy, the Grundy show. And suddenly... Punk goes from being about attitude to about fashion. I think that's the main, wow, that there, there it is. That's the clicking point right there. Punk then becomes all about fashion, right? That's what it is. And that really, the beginnings of that, the idea that punk is a fashion really begins with the Sex Pistols. And that's why they get confused for being, you know, posers or whatever, you know, not really you know, not really who they, who they were, you know. Um, Chris says that Gary Oldman almost died from losing so much weight to portray Sid and Sid and Nancy in his cinematic debut. That's a great film. That's a really good film. You know, Iggy Pop is in that movie. He was, I think he was living in the Chelsea Hotel at the time. And he, oh, it gives me, a lot of people stay at the Chelsea Hotel. 
And so he's in that movie because they actually did shoot in the Chelsea Hotel. In any case, we'll see what happens with, with, with these guys and can they resolve this? And again, this is the reason why we don't have any Sex Pistols reunion shows. I mean, their 40th anniversary came and went in a, in a, like a flash in the pan. And, you know, you would imagine that they would have done some sort of world tour. Those guys like money. They're all, you know, limber and willing and able to play and to work. And, but they can't, they can't unite. They can't get together. And in, in a way, Pistol seems to be the alternative of them reuniting and going out and playing as the Sex Pistols. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um, I hope you liked today's segment. Do you guys like this sort of format that we're doing right now? Like this, you know, discussing stuff like this. Um, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Please check out the Patreon. Please buy a cup of coffee if you enjoy the making of this content. This is currently how I am earning a living at this time. So the you can really help support the channel by doing so. Thank you so much for watching and tuning in. That's the most important part. Subscribing and watching is the most important. All that other stuff I just mentioned, later. Check out the t-shirts too. We have t-shirts. Gonna have some more t-shirts. T-shirts are coming. Peace and Harry's.